0: You are listening to the Life Church Podcast. To learn more about Life Church, including our gathering times at Fishers, Eagle Creek, Noblesville, Pendleton, or our Life Crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Derek Lopez. Good morning, everyone. Obviously, I'm not Micah. Excited to be here with you. My name is Derek, I'm the Fishers Campus Pastor. Everyone who's joined us online, we're so glad that you joined us today. We you help me welcome them church today? Wherever you're at, we love you, we're for you, you have a church family that's got your back. Hey, well, a little bit about me, I've been the Fishers Campus Pastor since January, and I've been in ministry for 10 years before that, and then my wife and I, we have seven children, I'll show you a photo of us this is last week at the, um, at the uh, Silly Safari that we had. So here's my wife, Josie, our daughter, Natalie, Lila's on the far end, and Julia, here's Elsie, Leland, he's a character, Sam, and Sadie, these two are twins. So that's, that's my family, and uh, to tell you a little bit more about them, we decided last weekend to take our kids to The event, Jurassic Express. Now, it was a sham, okay? Shouldn't have went. It's a terrible time. It was awful. But leading up to that event on Saturday, because we were going to take our two youngest boys with us, we decided to take our four older girls to go see the Mario movie. And it was a great movie. We had a lot of fun. It was pretty clean. And uh, there was one problem, though, was this one right here, Elsie... She's, she's not that, she just turned six, so she's still little, and she kept asking me throughout the movie, constantly, every five minutes, is this real? <laughs> I'm like, oh man, no, Elsie, it's not real, and I kept thinking, this is probably too old for her, and then she's like, when did this happen? She kept saying, <laughs> did this happen for real? I'm like, no, it didn't happen for real, baby, and then we and then, We have that conversation probably 30 times. And at the end, she asks, when did that happen? It's not, it's make-believe. It's like a cartoon. She's like, doesn't look like a cartoon. (laughs) So that was sweet. And then, uh, yeah, it was fun, though. It was still fun. I actually took her to the bathroom. And when we went out, she went to the right, to the women's bathroom. She said, no, baby, you've got to come with me to the men's bathroom. She's like, why do I have to come with you to the men's? I said, so I can protect you. And she goes, oh. (laughs) So they're great kids. And then we take these two. The girl got nothing. This girl got nothing. Just to be clear, we still love her. She'll be okay. She's like, (laughs) she's great. But we took them to Jurassic Express. And I knew it was going to be bad when they told me at the gate to pay. They said, there's a $9 credit card fee. And they get you because what are you supposed to do, right? Am I supposed to look down at my sons and say, yeah, you're not worth $9? <laughs> so then we go into the exhibit. They do have some animatronic dinosaurs that are pretty neat and pretty cool. And uh, just like it just wasn't the experience we thought we were going to get. We thought we'd get like Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park type people. Didn't, that didn't happen at all. It just wasn't a very fun Time And then it's so packed that half of it is the dinosaur stuff in the, uh, the, the exhibits and the, uh, the fossils that they have. And you're not supposed to touch the fossils either, so they're like at kids' heights. And our kids are touching, they're like, don't let them touch that. I'm like, dude, you, you put it right there. Like, it's not my fault. <laughs> so then we go to do the bounce houses and, and, and indulge in that. And the lines are, I mean, it's like an hour wait per bounce house. And then they're given $20 by their grandmother to, to get a souvenir. Well, they're only letting like five people in at a time into the store area. And, and finally, he, our son's like, I want to jump on the bounce house. I'm like, the line's too long. And then he's like, I want to get a toy. And I'm like, listen, buddy, we're going to Walmart. <laughs> we're not staying here any longer than we have to. So you're going to get an amazing toy. And that toy broke too. We ended up replacing it. But, but that's a little bit about my family and, uh, and a little bit about me. But today, if there's anything I say that offends you or there's something that you have an issue with, email Micah. Micah at LifeChurchIn.com. Bug him. Don't call Fishers. Micah at lifechurchion.com, any issues at all, just things you want to share, just stories, websites, whatever, just, just send it to him. <laughs> now, truthfully, I love Micah, I think Micah's a great guy, and, uh, and we're so thankful for him. Aren't you thankful for Pastor Mike, everybody? We love you, Micah, I guess. <laughs> no, we do love Micah. Hey, we'll be just like Sherry said. We'll be in Second Samuel chapter two is where we'll be. And uh, before we do that, let's pray, and then I'll give you a recap. Father God, we're so thankful for Your Word. Lord, we pray today that Your Word would move, Lord, that You would that it would do its job, that we would all be open to Your Word, that it would penetrate. So, Lord, may any barriers that anyone is experiencing or will have throughout the service, whether here or online, that they will come to nothing. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask that you use me for your glory and honor to bless your people in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, you can turn to your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 3, and if not, it'll be right here. But uh, to give everyone a, a little bit of a recap, what's happened, Saul's died, he's no longer king, David mourns over him, and then he's made king over the tribe of Judah in the south in a city called Hebron. Well then... Uh, Abner, the commander of Saul's army, makes Saul's son Ishbosheth king over the northern part of the nation and the rest of the tribes of Israel. So then, what happens is uh, Abner and Joab, Joab is the commander of David's army, end up having a war where they're fighting against one another. And in a battle that they have, Abner ends up killing Joab's brother Azahel. And it was a big issue. He's, even Abner says, hey, if I kill you, how can I even look your brother Joab in the face? And he, and he ends up stabbing him through the back with his spear. Well, that leads us to a point where the scripture says that the house of David grew stronger and stronger, but the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. And then what ends up happening is it's, the scripture says that Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. So he's making himself strong. And Ishbosheth, the king of the north, comes to his uncle Abner, the commander of Saul's army, and he says, hey, why did you sleep with my dad's concubine? Why'd you do that? That was a political move. You shouldn't have done that. Abner gets upset and he says, I'm going to transfer the kingdom. How dare you come at me? Am I a dog's head? And he says, I'm going to transfer the kingdom from you to David, just as the Lord had said that David would be king over all of Israel. And that leads us to 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 12. It says, then Abner sent messengers to David's palace, to David's place, excuse me, saying, whose is the land? And when he says, whose is, whose is the land, there's different arguments. Abner might be saying, the, the land is mine, or he's saying, the land is yours, David, or the land is the Lord. Either way, he comes and he says, Make your covenant with me, and behold, my hand shall be with you, and bring all of Israel over to you. So here, I think that this is a little bit of, of it's hard to see what Abner's true intentions are, because I would say that his, his intentions are questionable at best. Even when he said, I'm going to transfer the kingdom from you to David, I think he, he understood, hey, my time is running short here ishosheth might want me out so he so i think really he goes over to david and says i'm going to hand you over this make a covenant with you and the verse 13 says david replies good i will make a covenant with you but i demand one thing of you namely that you shall not see my face unless you first bring michal saul's daughter when you come to see me Verse 14, David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son. So this is interesting because he, he tells Abner that, but then he goes ahead and sends messengers to Ishbosheth. So I think David really knows who's in charge, and he goes over Abner's head to Saul's son saying, Give me my wife Michal, to whom I was betrothed for a hundred foreskins from the Philistines. That's a pretty big price. He actually gave 200. The extra was just a gift, I guess. So, so David is, is making a political move. So here in verse 13, it says that you won't see my face unless you first bring Saul's daughter. And when he talks to Ishbosheth, he says that you will bring me my wife. See, David's saying she's my wife. There wasn't a divorce. She's rightfully mine. And really what David, what I think he wants to do, he may love her, but remember he has six other wives at this point. So, I don't know. So, he, he wants her, but really, he wants to make an heir through the line of Saul to bring Israel united together. I think that's what is really going on, and it ended up not happening because she ended up being barren later on, the scripture says. So, Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, from Paltiel, the son of Laish, but her husband went with her, weeping as he went, and followed her as far as... Barahim, then Abner said to him, go and return, and he returned. Now, the moral of the lesson is don't take someone else's wife, okay? Don't indulge in something that isn't rightfully yours. Continuing, verse 17, now Abner had a consultation with the elders of Israel, saying, in times past, you were seeking for David to be keen over you, saying, you wanted that. Verse 18, now then do it, just like Nike. Just do it. They ruined that, man. They're really messing up real bad, aren't they? Getting off a little bit, but anyways. Now then do it, for the Lord has spoken of David, saying, by the hand of my servant David, I will save my people from Israel and from the hand of the Philistines, even from the hand of all their enemies. So that brings me To this verse 19, Abner also spoke in the hearing of Benjamin. It was important he spoke to Benjamin because that's the tribe that Saul was from. In addition, Abner went to speak in the hearing of David and Hebron and all that seemed good to Israel and to the house, to the whole house of Benjamin. So this is saying that even even Benjamin agreed, Ishbosheth is doing a bad job think we're at that point now as a nation. We can all agree, the guy's doing a bad job. So, thinking of that, there's, there's really something that's important, is remember that he said to them, in times past, you sought David, you desired David, and then later he says, did the Lord not speak this? So, the first point is, is this, knowledge and desire are not enough to experience the blessing from God's will. Remember that in times past, you were seeking for David to be king over you. So that what that tells me was that Abner knew they were seeking David to be their king. In verse 18, for the Lord said, by the hand of my servant David. So they all knew that it was the Lord's will. And I think that this is what happened. You have... The elders who Abner had to have on their side, they would speak on behalf of the nation of Israel. There's no longer judges, there are kings and elders. So this rope represents the, the things that you and I say in, in, in place of what we should do. And I think this is really what, as I get this rope untangled, I think this is really what the elders did when Abner came to them the first time, because the scripture says in chapter two of 2 Samuel that Abner took Ishbosheth and he made him king over all. But he would have had to have gone to the elders. Go back. Accidentally clicked that. So he so he has he has the elders and he says to them, Hey, make Ishbosheth your king. And they have the first excuse, well. We're scared of Abner. We fear him. So it'll be okay. It'll be good if, if we make him their king. And then and then the next excuse of of well he is the rightful heir. And then the third excuse well the word of the Lord didn't say necessarily David would be king. Maybe 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 it would be best if we just hand the kingdom over to Ishbosheth because it's easier that way. And what they ended up doing was binding their hands. And they didn't only bind their hands. They said, hey, our hands are bound. There's nothing we can do. Abner says we can't. But we're not made to fear man, amen? We can't, it can't just like in the culture today, we can't be afraid. We have to say it. And the elders could have said, no, we're not gonna allow that. The Lord said it. We, we're gonna honor God, and not man. And, and what would have happened is the nation of Israel would have been free from the Philistines a lot quicker and there wouldn't have been a civil war. But instead, they gave in and they said, no, let's do that. We, we, we'll make him our king. And I think for our lives, we can, we can say, you know, that person hurt me. And then talk about it a bunch and say, yeah, it wasn't okay what they did. And I'm not going to forgive them. I'm going to hold on to that. Maybe it's an instance where there's some jealousy of you're jealous of a family member. You're jealous of a coworker who gets a raise or gets a position that you wanted. And so what ends up happening is we end up binding our hands, even though the, the word of the Lord says, turn the other cheek. How, how many knows that's hard? I don't want to turn the other cheek. I want to go ahead and slap that person in the face. Now I don't do that, but that's what I want to do. And so we end up binding our hands when all along, we're the ones who had the evil desire. And really, we could take the first step to have peace in our own heart and not be bound in the very thing that sometimes I think what happens is we think that the Word of God, even though the Word says we should live a certain way, we should act a certain way, we, we can't be with whoever, we can't sleep with whoever we want, can't look at what, whatever we want, we got to follow Him with all of our heart, but we have two masters serving God and money, or serving entertainment, social media, instead of the Most High. We end up binding ourselves, but, but we think that the Word will bind us. But the Word comes to set us free. And it starts with action, but, but I would argue sometimes we think that we can't get free, but you, we just have to take a step of faith in action because the scripture says this. It doesn't say that. Thought it was going to say that. Well, then I'll read this verse. And then Abner and the 20 men came to Hebron, and David made a feast for Abner and the 20 men who were with them. Maybe it's here. Nope, not there. Anyways, faith without deeds is dead. Faith takes action. It's important that we we take action in what what the Lord tells us to do. That we we take action, and the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's the Word that has the authority to set us free. We just have to do what the Word says. Even even the demon-possessed man who came to Jesus that that said, we are legion, that one. The scripture says in in, uh, Mark chapter five that he saw Jesus a long way off. This is in the NIV. He saw him a long way off and he ran before him and fell before him. The demon didn't want to fall and kneel before Jesus. It says the man saw him. Even if you're the most bound as possible, you can be free. You just have to take a step of faith, an action step. And if you're here and you're, or you're watching online and you have some demonic manifestations happening to you or any possession may be free now in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. I know that that's a little strong, but it's something that's real. You know the getting off a little bit, but the whole, two, like I can be whatever gender I want. If you watch some of the video, they say, we're the, we're they or us or we. That's, that's what demons said in Scripture. It's active today more than it was 10 years ago. We need to be set free, and sometimes we, we just need somebody to pray with us, but it just takes one step of faith. We've got to step in and step up. Amen, everybody? So then, what ends up happening is Abner and the 20 men with him came to David at Hebron and made a feast for Abner and the men who were with them. Abner said to David, Let me arise and go and gather all of Israel to my Lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you, and that you may be keen over all that your soul desires. It's questionable what he's doing here. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. Verse 22 says, Behold, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid, and they brought much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron. What's important to know about Hebron is Hebron was a city of refuge. There were six cities of refuge, and Hebron was one of them. And God strategically placed them throughout the nation so that if someone had manslaughter, if they made a mistake, accidentally killed somebody, they could run to the city of refuge, come to the gate, Joshua chapter 20 says, and meet the elders there, and the elders hear their case. So it was this place where where the avenger of blood couldn't get them. Verse 23 says, When Joab and all the army that was with him arrived, they told Joab, saying, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, and he has sent him away, and he is gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and and said, What have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why then did you send him away, and he is already gone? You know that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you, and to make you to learn of your going in and your coming out, so that so that to know what you're doing. So he's saying that, hey, Joab is saying Abner's a spy. He's a spy, and he has these assumptions about him. So one of the assumptions that he has is he killed my brother in cold blood. I I think I I think about that because. He wasn't there for the conversation between Azahel and Abner, and that's not what happened. And then I'm sure that he also thought, Abner is well more equipped to run an army than I am. I don't want him, I don't want him involved. And then also, he's a spy. He's going to hurt us. He's not for you. He's against you. So the first point was knowledge and desire are not enough to experience the blessing from God's will. The second point is this. Assumptions lead to judgment. Judgment leads to foolish actions. And that's what Abner does. Or, excuse me, Joab does. So, what the scripture says in Ecclesiastes 10.13, it says fools base their thoughts on foolish assumptions. So their conclusions will be wicked madness. We'll see later he starts to, he kills him. The Proverbs eighteen seventeen says, the first to plead his case seems right. Like if, if you only heard Joab's side, he would seem right until another comes and examines him. There's a cross-examination that happens. You bring one witness and you bring another witness and there's that cross-examination. I mean, no, that happens. I, I've been in that before. She said this, she did that. And then really the husband's beaten her at home. something as an example, for those who are in according, for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, set their minds on the things that are, that are pleasant and pleasing to our bodies. But those who are according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. Verse six, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. And that's what God wants for us. We have to have the mind of the Holy Spirit. It's important to pray, especially when you're angry and you get upset. It's important to stop and breathe. God, I ask you, give me the mind of the Holy Spirit because people are stupid. <laughs> Isn't that right? It's funny, but it's true. Hate to say it. I don't think any of you are stupid, though. So when Joab came out from David, he sent messengers to Abner and they brought him back from the well of Sariah. This is, this is two miles north. Remember, Hebron is a city of refuge and he leaves. He leaves the city of refuge, but David did not know it. It says, so when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside to the middle of the gate to speak with him privately. I think that Abner should have been a little smarter here. And there he struck him in the belly so that he died on the account of Azahel, his brother. So he, he takes revenge. He has all of these assumptions. And what does it bring? Wicked madness. It, only judgment based on assumption will only lead to foolish decisions and actions. So remember, he's in that city of refuge but he's left and he comes back to the gate. This is also saying that, that Joab did not respect David at all and he didn't respect God's law at all because Joshua, remember chapter 20 says that they'll meet them at the gate the, and, and the elders will meet him and they'll be safe. They'll be able to have a fair trial. So he ends up killing Abner. Afterward, when David heard about it, he said, I and my kingdom are innocent. This is important. He does it. We see some political moves by David throughout scripture. This is important because it looks like David did this because he's like, I I could take out the commander of Saul's army now, so let's just do it. He says, no, I'm innocent. And it can tear the whole kingdom, the, the kingdom apart and they'd be separate as a nation forever. He says, I'm innocent before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. May it fall on the head of Joab and on all of his father's house. And may there not fail to be from the house of Joab, one who has a discharge or who is a leopard or who takes hold of a distaff or who falls by the sword or lacks any bread. So here's a curse that David speaks over him. And remember, he takes that revenge. He has those assumptions. And a lot of times we do that too where we have assumptions about people. I know I do. I'll have a fight in my mind with somebody who's not even there. I'm coming up with their responses. And oh, no, you didn't. I I'm, I'm, ain't going that way. And then he and then come up with the argument. I'll, we do that sometimes as people. Maybe I'm just weird. Verse 30 says, So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner, because he had put their brother Azahel to death in the battle at Gibeon. Another point is they think they're avenging his blood, but really it was all fair because it was at a battle. and, And on top of that, Joab agreed to have the battle. Verse 31, David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, tear your clothes and gird yourself on sackcloth and lament before Abner and the king David walked behind the briar. So he, so he makes Joab be a part of this funeral ceremony because revenge only leads to humiliation. Assumptions do that too. You know what they say about assumptions? They're not good. <laughs> Thus they buried Abner and Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the, at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. The king chanted a lament for Abner and said, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not put into fetters. As one who falls before the wicked, you have fallen. And all the people wept again over him. So he says that about him. But my question is this Did, did Abner really put his trust in the city of refuge? Did he really fully put his trust in the law of God? I don't think he did. He left the city and he comes back. And I think also that Joab sees that's a loophole. Hey, he left the city, I'm gonna kill him now before he gets back into the city. We gotta remember to put our trust in the king of kings, amen? Verse 35, then all the people who came, all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while it was still day, but David vowed saying, may God do to me and more also if I do not taste bread or anything else before the sun goes down. Now all the people took note of it and it pleased him, pleased them just as everything the king did pleased all the people. So all the people and all of Israel understood that day that it had not been the will of the king to put Abner, the son of Ner, to death. They saw that it was a genuine mourning that he's having. Verse 38: Then the king said to his servants, Do you not know? And I can picture this, he's still mourning, do you not know? Do you not understand that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? Remember, Abner's the commander of Saul's army. He's Saul's brother. He's a prince. David remembers that. And he says, I am weak today, though anointed as king. And these men, the sons of Zeruiah, Zeruiah's David's sister, he's saying, these sons of Zeruiah are too difficult for me. May the Lord repay the evildoer according to his evil. So here we see that David puts his trust not in himself, not in chariots or horses, but he puts his trust in the Lord that the Lord would repay. David said, it's not mine to avenge. I'm not going to assume it's mine to avenge. Even throughout David's life, we see that David doesn't assume the king, that, the king, that he can just take the kingdom by force. He has two chances where he can kill Saul. He has a chance where he can take over the whole nation of Israel, but he kind of, he lets the Lord have his way and not his own. The first point, knowledge and desire are not enough to experience the blessing from God's will. The second point is this, assumptions lead to judgment. Judgment leads to foolish actions. And the third point, taking refuge in the Lord is surrendering to his sovereignty. What is his sovereignty? His sovereignty, it's saying that he has absolute power and authority, not my own, it's his. You can have knowledge and desire, but it takes a step of surrender. The Bible says this in Psalms 34, eight, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I think sometimes we need to be reminded of that because sometimes we think it'd be better to be bound and we don't even understand we're binding ourselves. And we need to take refuge in the one who sets us free. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. I want to show you something here. We want to take refuge in the Lord most high. We want, to, we want, to, we want that, that covenant blessing of being under protection of his wings. But being in the refuge of the Lord is not only just running to him for protection, but it's resting in his city. It's resting in him. Like Abner left the city, he left the place of refuge. We shouldn't leave the place of refuge. We should remember this, that if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And we read this wrong as Christians many times because we'll read it like this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll keep my commands. But I think, I think this is how Jesus said it. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. It will be easy. It's coming to the place of refuge of the Lord most high isn't only surrendering in one way or another. It, it, it's, it's not just surrendering, I just want protection. Hey, I don't wanna go to hell. I'm gonna confess Jesus my Lord. It's also not saying that it's just about the commandments. It's about the love. We have to remember that. You know that musical, Fiddler on the Roof? I know most of you know that. And the, the father, he, his daughters are getting married off, and the argument that they keep having with their dad is, but I love him, I love him. And he gets to a point where he says, do, do I have love? Do, do, do I love my wife and does she love me? And he sings that song to her and he says, do you love me? Do you love me? And she says, What do you mean? For 29 years, 25 years I've cleaned your pots, I've washed your clothes, I've milked your cow. I've done all these things. Of course I love you. But he says, But do you love me? Do you love me? She asks the question, Do I love him? Do I love him? And that's my question for you, is you know, all those things together, the, the main thing is that you that you love him, do you love him? Because his burdens are easy, his yoke is light, it's not heavy, it's not burdensome. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. We need to rest in the shadow of the most high and remember that the covenant blessing, we can't experience the full covenant blessing if we don't keep the covenant also. We have to keep the covenant of the Lord our God to be holy as he's holy. So we have to let things go, we have to let videos go, we have to let websites go, we have to let conversations with people at work we shouldn't have go. We've got to die to ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. If you love me, do you love Jesus? Would you all bow your heads as we pray with me? Father God, we're so thankful for you, Lord. We're thankful for your truth and for your word. Lord God, we're thankful that you're the same yesterday, you're the same today, and you're the same forever, Lord. That if you blessed and loved others before, you'll bless and love us. Lord, I pray that everyone who is here today will take refuge in the Lord most high, that they'll love you with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, and all their strength. That you will be glorified, Lord. And for those who have never taken refuge in Him, I ask Holy Spirit right now, that the spirit of adoption will move in this service and everyone who's watching online. If you wanna recommit your life to Lord Jesus Christ, or if you wanna make him your Lord for the very first time, would you let me know by just putting your hand up right now, wherever you're at? Just let me know, we'd love to pastor you more effectively. Thank you. You can put your hands down. If that's you, you can pray a prayer out loud or quietly in your heart. The important thing is that you mean it. So just repeat this after me. Everyone, let's repeat this out loud. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you lived, I believe you died, and I believe you rose from the dead. Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord. Forgive me for my sins, in Jesus' name amen 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 everybody hey we're going to worship with one last song but before we go into that if you came today and you're addicted to something you came today and you're hurting you came today you need bound you came today and you need to hope the prayer team is going to go ahead and come forward now and and you can come up and get prayer if you need prayer everybody needs prayer i'm offended when someone when I go to someone and I say, can I pray for you, they go, no, I'm good. What? We need prayer. I need God. Because sometimes I can be an idiot. We all can. And sometimes I can't get out of something on my own. I've got to tell somebody else. James chapter 5 speaks to that. Amen, everybody. Let's worship one last song and come down for prayer. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.